Hello and welcome to another episode of the Being Heard podcast. Today we have a returning guest, Katana. Her and her partner Derek have been on the podcast already and we did a wonderful episode with them. And Katana is coming back on her own this time to talk about her story and to bring to light whatever is relevant and whatever she needs to within that in relation to horses and how her and I were just having a conversation before we started recording. And um, both of us were just agreeing on the fact that our interpersonal relationships and our relationships with our horses and our relationships with everyone around us are such a mirror of how we can actually find more information on how to connect at a deeper level with our animals and not just with the horses, but with nature and everything. It's like all of these codes hidden in how we, or hidden in plain sight, I guess, in terms of how we relate to each other and how we relate to our horses, um, that we just need to go on a journey to see and discover. And Katana is going to share her personal story up to this point. And I actually feel really honored because I love to listen to people's stories in general. I think that there's a really deep medicine that can happen when you hear someone share what they've been through. It's almost, I can't really describe it. There's like an energy that takes place. And when someone's really prepared to do that and prepared to be vulnerable and share what has gone on for them and what they've been through, it makes it even more special, you know, because there's a a real willingness to go into that vulnerability, which is pretty powerful. So I'm going to just reintroduce Katana, even though you've been on the podcast before. I just want to, you know, anybody who hasn't listened to that other episode, um, I want to make sure that you have you have an introduction. So Katana, Katana and I met through horses, and Katana is a horsewoman. And she also has, she's an astrologer as well, and she has an academic background in women's studies. And she also spent 20 years or has spent the past 20 years as a Buddhist practitioner. Is that correct? Yeah. And Katana is one of these people who her and I spoke about astrology when we first connected. And I remember her saying that it just came to her really easily. Like it was almost like a download into her system that she already had available to her. And I love the way that she talks about astrology and just weaves everything, weaves astrology into her day-to-day existence. I feel like when you really become um, like the system or become the work or the information that you share, that's when it's most potent for other people through your lens, you know, so it's very individualistic to you, but you really, you do that in such an amazing way. So I think I'm just going to keep it really, really brief in terms of an introduction, but I do want to say that um, Katana and her partner Derek have a podcast called Seeking Mount Parnassus that I've been listening to pretty adamantly since they started. And I said this on the other podcasts that you're on, but I just love this. I love how raw and how honest and how open you are. And they just like jump on and start recording and it's very real. And I think that that's quite rare. (laughs) in today's day and age to have that real grounded, rooted, not quite knowing where we're going, but going there anyway, energy. Mm-hmm. And um, so Derek and Katana have an episode uh, called You Must Make Your Own Map. And there's a really beautiful piece of writing on there by Katana that I really recommend you all go and listen to um, once you have finished listening to this episode. As for me, it was a really stunning representation of her like blend of academia and 
spirituality and emotionality. I could really feel your heart in the piece of writing and in the energy behind the words. And it just really moved me. And it was such a testament to your, I guess, willingness to be truthful. And that's where we're going in this episode is just, we get to just sit back and have a conversation about how life has been for you up to this point. And that's, we can all relate to that. We can all relate. Life happens to all of us. No. So, yeah. And also, will you please give us a little bit of information about the astrology for today and the time that we're doing this podcast, even though we're recording this, I think probably about five weeks in advance of the this podcast being released, uh, can, just so we have a little time capsule of energy and the imprint of what's happening now in this moment where, before we have this conversation. Yeah, thank you for the introduction. It, it's funny because I was like, what's she going to say? I don't even know what I would say <laughs> at this point introducing myself because I'm not the same person that I was. The the qualifications that I would have listed, I mean, the, all the things you said are true. So I think you did a good job um, as well as can be done, especially when you start letting go of even having a solid self, like an ego identity self. It just starts to become like, uh, what do you say? <laughs> what do you say? I don't know. Who am I? I'm, I'm here. That's it. I'm present. I'm awake. I'm here. That's about all that can be said about any of us. And then it, it it's it's changing all the time. You know, by the time this podcast episode airs, mm. we'll both be different people, especially when you're someone who's engaged in inner work and through this process of transformation, it can just get so accelerated. So at this point for me, like uh, anything before eight months ago feels like previous lifetime. And yeah. I, I think it was, and it's been a, it's been a literal death and rebirth process to the point where I, I had to change my name. Part of the reason I changed my name was for that. It was just no longer would work to use the old name because I'm not that person. The other reason I did it for my public work was for my own personal feeling of safety and privacy because I didn't want my ex-husband and all the things from my previous life to be easily found. Um, you know, I didn't want my current stuff to be easily found by that. Not to say that it couldn't be found um, or that I'm in the witness protection program. It's not, it's not at that level, but I did feel like this, you know, I didn't want to be using that name and, and then just be traceable so easily by that name. Um, so anybody who knows the new name knows of the transition in some way and the rebirth process. And so they've chosen to come with me through this shift and anybody prior to that won't know, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, maybe they will eventually, but I just felt like saying that about the name. Um, okay. The astrology. So today is September 12th, 2023. We've got the sun in Virgo and we have Mercury retrograde in Virgo as well. And then we have a bunch of Leo energy going on. So moon is in Leo today and Venus, Venus and Juno actually in Leo and Venus and Juno are, are conjunct. So they're one degree apart from each other. So it's actually that, that Leo, Venus, Juno stuff is perfect for what's happening, what we're doing, telling stories and talking about ourselves in a vulnerable way. I mean, that's one of the big Leo 
drives is to share authentically. Leo is the lion's roar. It's the here I stand. This is me. And it has to be, has to be authentic, has to be vulnerable for it to be, to be fulfilling. But then it also has to be received, which you were saying, you know, the being heard. Yes, you know, you have to be heard. You have to really be truly heard and received for it to complete this circuit of sharing and then receiving, you know. And then Venus and Juno both have symbolism connected to love, relationships. Juno is the wife, the partner archetype. She was um, Juno. Juno is um, Hera, so Zeus's wife. Um, And then, you know, Venus is just always represented love at Aphrodite, you know, love, beauty, relationships, all of those things, as well as other things, but they both have this strong love partnership vibe. And then in Leo, and then the moon, you know, the moon changes every two days. And so it just so happened that today we chose a Leo moon. It's perfect for self-expression, for voice, for all being heard. Um, yeah. So that's nice. And then yeah. with the Virgo, Virgo moon, or not Virgo moon, Virgo sun and Mercury retrograde in Virgo. I mean, Virgo's got this, you have, can I say something about your astrology, your personal astrology? Yeah, of course. You you have a south node in Virgo. So, you know, this this kind of, you know, the 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 dark side of Virgo <laughs> probably fairly well, you know, just the like overthinking, a, a too much analysis, like analysis to the point of paralysis um you know virgo has an excellent ability to do those kinds of things like analyze and criticize and um you know sort through information and all of those things but it can go kind of off the rails at times with the south node there's this karmic past with whatever that that archetype is and so Virgo. So, you know, with Mercury retrograde in Virgo too, we're revisiting things mm-hmm. that we've been through before, or we're, we're looking back at ways that we used to think or ways we used to process information, trying to update them, trying to get current, trying to apply our current experience and understanding to, you know, our previous ways of doing things and, and see if they still fit together. Um and then the other big thing, I guess, would be the nodes. So there's, we each have our personal birth chart, everything in your personal birth chart stays that way. It's a snapshot of the moment that you're born. So it's it's a map of a particular moment in time. It doesn't change. But then obviously the heavens, everything's moving all the time. So there's the current moment astrology as well. And that's what we're talking about now. So then the nodes, North Node, is representative of the the spiritual path like the the potential future our path toward our higher self and our 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 own flavor of enlightenment really in this lifetime like where we're going to experience the most spiritual growth the south nodes representative of past karma and all that but there's also the transiting nodes and they move about every year and a half through the signs so Fairly recently, just July 2023, they changed signs. So they went from Taurus and Scorpio to Aries and Libra. So now we have North Node and Aries, South Node and Libra, which also fits very well with this this topic, you know, of relationships, because Libra is very focused on relationships as well. Are you Libra Sun? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Okay. So yeah, you also know Libra energy. We've also we we've got Mars in Libra right now too. Um, so Libra is this like Venusian type energy, same kind of archetypes around Venus with Libra relationships, but also justice and harmony, balance, beauty, aesthetic appreciation. But there's a lot about relationships. It's it's core for Libra. And then the polarity point, you know the opposite point on the zodiac is aries trees assertiveness the warrior archetype the you know speaking up and expressing your anger and expressing your limits and all of those kinds of things so everybody is now in this space of aries libra what's going on and depending on your own personal chart it's going to hit more things you know um i've got a lot going on in my chart in both actually Libra I've got quite a a big seventh house which is all in Libra pretty much except for at the very edge I've got Jupiter and Scorpio the rest is Libra and I'm in Aries rising in my turn. so yeah it's hitting me and clearly seems to be bringing you know, all these things that I'm experiencing and what I'm doing are are I feel like they fit with that so there's some context Totally. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing that because I love how clear this map that we're given is. It's like, is when I hear you talk about it, I'm like, that makes so much sense, even though Mm -hmm. I don't know any of that. When I hear you bringing all these pieces energetically, it feels there's so much resonance where I'm like, oh yes, oh that, that. And that makes so much sense that, you know, um, our South Node is in Libra collectively at the moment because we are all like, ultimately we need to learn how to relate to one another. Truly. And then bringing it back to horses always like it is, it is, I wouldn't say it's like a direct mirror image, but ultimately the way that we learn and that we deepen into this relating aspect is only going to continuously affect the horses, you know? And so the way that we're able to see them and open to them and hear them and be with them, it's like, it's, it's this beautiful kind of inevitable never-ending cycle but I just love the fact that we're about to have this conversation about you know with the Leo moon as well like you said but what I kept hearing was like yeah having your heart on your sleeve Mm. that to me that I when I I have a really close friend who has a Leo moon and then my craniosacral teacher is a Leo sun both of them to me really embody that they're just two examples but having your heart on your sleeve and expressing you know that's a pretty vulnerable place to have your heart basically yeah and um, that is, I mean, that is the whole thing with this podcast that I was saying to you before that I didn't mention at the beginning, like, you know, being heard, the word heard is very representative of the fact that we are all in this together. And so as human beings, our awareness of ourselves and our well-being, ultimately, that we that we get from the awareness of ourselves is as important as our awareness of our horses and that includes let's on all levels, like our education about their physical bodies and their well-being and what they need and you know what they're not getting and what they could get differently. Like all of that, how you know much energy and focus we put into our horses at times, if we applied that to ourselves or when we apply that to ourselves, it the reason that we would do that is because we're all in this together and there is no separation between the horse and us and the processes that we're in. So that's why the word heard in general is, you know, spelt the way it is, but it's, I love the fact that you're coming on and sharing your voice and your story, which ultimately is all about your awareness of yourself too, mm. you know, and the, the light that you've shone on certain aspects of your life and yourself that, that you're now sharing with us about to share with us. 
because it's all it all it's all one it all links in to the horses as well okay so i don't really have any particular questions at this point i just kind of want to hand over i guess the stage like the metaphorical you know symbolic stage to you and like have you feel free to share whatever you want in terms of in the context of your story and what you want to share with us because it's been quite a ride Mm -hmm. for you yeah i mean i thought of some interesting things while you were while you were talking as well just even the thing about there's our horses and then there's us and these two different things i mean that's the first thing that i thought of is there's no separation it's the same thing our horses and how we relate to our horses is ourselves it's how we relate to ourselves it's all the same thing Horses are relational. Everything that they do is in relationship. They are existing fully connected all the time. They're never separated from their higher self, from their connection to the universe, from their connection to the earth, or from their connection to their herd. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they are connected to us in the same way constantly. And I think that there's, they're, they have this open channel of communication and what they want from us is emotional honesty, authenticity, just being completely transparent and open to them and being authentically ourselves. But most of us are not in a state of being able to do that, especially when we're dealing with other things in our lives, you know, our own relationship issues or whatever it is that has built up walls and and you know barriers around our hearts that then put something in between us and our horses that's really coming from our side i think in 99% of the cases you know i mean there are horses that have reasons to be shut down but i think even when they are shut down for horses they're still so much more open than yeah. we are because they're just not they don't have all of these things that they're putting on top of it. They're not thinking about it. They're not trying to impress anybody. They're in the present moment fully. They're not bringing the path, you know, I mean, that's the thing I think I've learned the most clearly going through this whole process with relationships and, and the transformation of my own relationships is that the horses are ready. They're, they're there. That's what they want to do. And the way that, Derek and I relate to each other now is like that so that we're always connected and we're always focused on maintaining that connection and keeping the channel open between us so that there's no there's no separation there's no gap and there's no dishonesty at any level of just even keeping some of the feelings inside or I'm going to keep this part of myself away or I'm going to um you know, I want to be this kind of person, but I'm not really, but I'm just going to act like I am. You know, I think of that, like we we were talking the other day about horses and riding. And, you know, I have two horses, one that doesn't like to ride and has been pretty clear about that. And then I have another who's a young filly who's very excited and, and very much a natural at that. And she's she's an airy son. She loves to do athletic things. And she's very um, just open and and wanting to be in, in that kind of partnership with me. But I think 
going to them, like if I, I like to ride. So if I went to my horses and, and said, oh, I don't, I don't really care about riding. I don't want to ride. That's okay. You know, it's not important. We don't have to do that. But deep down, I feel, damn, I really, I like to ride and I, I miss riding. I miss the union. I miss that kind of connection that can come through riding, but I, I'm acting like it's not important to me. The horses are going to know, you know, there's, then there's a discrepancy in what I'm saying and what I'm expressing. It doesn't mean that being honest with Tenzin about, you know, I was honest with Tenzin. I liked her ride. I'd like to do this, you know, and we tried it some of the time and, and he didn't, sometimes he would, and then sometimes he wouldn't, you know? Yeah. But I think that's the main thing is just this being, being honest, being emotionally true. And we're not taught to do that. And we're not really allowed to do that. And I think, you know, that's kind of the first thing I, I thought of. And, and I'll go more into, you know, the background of, of my story, but just wanted to respond to that first thing about the horses. Mm, that's so beautiful what you said. Thank you. And it's so true. I've read about, you know, people talking about that. And I know that from my own personal life with my horses and I've heard people talk about it. And I think journey is what I've noticed anyway, is very much about being able to be uncomfortable with like in the process of coming back to our truth and actually expressing it because we're not taught how to do that. And because we live in a world that doesn't necessarily allow us to feel safe to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like, I love what you said about the horses already. And what I'll just say this quickly, like, what I've noticed with um, my horses is when I come into a different awareness around something or something major shifts within me and I'm and I see things completely differently and you know whatever words you want to use they are always there waiting right <laughs> and ready like you said to not catch me because I'm out kind of coming out the other side but they're like yeah you know their response would be yeah like we've just been waiting for you to come to that realization we've just been here we've been present and they are because we as humans have such a close physical and emotional on all levels relationship with them they be have become this epitome of the present moment anchor yeah it's like that that is what happens when that yeah you know yeah we've been here yeah we were just waiting it's the present moment saying to us yeah like this moment has been waiting for you to realize yourself in this moment again and again and again. And it's like, they are the embodiment of that. And because we're so close to them, we get to be in that very special energetic dynamic with them. Yeah. And it makes, it always makes me think when that happens, like, Jesus, like, what else are you like? They're ready. They're like, you know, it's like, what level are you at? Right. Because you know what I mean? I'm like, wow. Like I have, I have no idea. Like I, I, I always, say that to them like horses are you know I say like they're incredible and they're next level and we don't know mm -hmm. like we don't know where how high or deep or vast or magnificently intricate they are because we are becoming and they are helping us like remember yeah I mean a good example of that is so I the you know the the basic bones of the story that you're referring to you know I had a 20 year marriage that was uh, abusive and damaging and dysfunctional and toxic, right? All of those things. And, mm -hmm. and I have a degree in women's studies and I have 
had my own business for 15 years and I have started all kinds of new different activities by myself and I've been a horsewoman and I'm a feminist and I'm a Buddhist practitioner for a long time and you know all these things and that is also true that I I was in a, a marriage that was systematically cutting me down and disconnecting me from myself and from truth and from love and was completely crossed you know I, I like I knew at a certain level this is unloving but I also didn't know fully because I hadn't experienced loving mm -hmm. in, in this lifetime and Tenzin was my horse through this transition. So, you know, I got Tenzin in 2018 and I ended this marriage in January, 2023. So just, you know, nine months ago. So Tenzin was with me through the whole thing. Then I connected with Derek and, you know, this immediate soul connection and, and kind of just falling back into basically uh, an old, old love and friendship that was there, you know, and, immediately learning a different way to relate or just remembering a different way to relate. And the times where I would go, you know, where I was going from like the marriage was over, I was connecting very deeply with Derek, you know, we're, we're establishing our own world basically. And I, there were certain occasions where I was with him and then I went straight to the barn to see Tenzin. And I had some incredible experiences with Tenzin in those states that were like nothing I'd ever experienced. And they were actually riding connected. So last winter, Tenzin's usually cool to ride in the winter because he's bored, you know. So yeah. he wants to <laughs> come in and do things. He's more open to it. He just whatever. So he was and he might have been doing it as well just because he knew it was helpful to me. And you know, there was one time like Tenzin and I always struggled with the canner. His transitions were always wacky and he had some head tossing issues and so he just was always the, the transitions were rough and then we had a hard time just like getting in sync in the canner really well and actually my whole riding career I struggled with the canner you know like following with my hips I think all this trauma that was stored in my hips and like my whole second chakra lower back you know pelvic area was all knotted up and blocked yeah couldn't like you know the canner is that like that gate where you're just it's flowing and your hips have to be open and you have to be in sync and you have to follow and I always had trouble with it it was like no matter how hard I tried I did I was an athlete I did all kinds of different sports I did yoga I did Pilates I you know I had great body awareness in terms of like how to use my body and I still couldn't get it <laughs> mm -hmm. I go to the barn one day after leaving you know being with Derek in the very early days and I was like all right tons and you know let's do a ride and and we were riding around and then I just got this feeling of like well, let's canter and I just asked him you know I, I just thought it like oh, let's canter we were in this small arena like we're doing like a 20 meter circle and he just went into this most beautiful perfect canter transition that felt like you know you're just floating flying into it and then we did you know a number of times around the circle that was like the most in harmony I've ever felt with the horse 
especially the canner. Like I've never cantered like that in my life. And tears are like streaming down my face. I was by myself, thank God, because I'm crying you know, openly at the bar. And I'm like, people already think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm really weird now, you know, riding and crying. But it was just so incredible because I was like, I could feel it through my whole body. Like, oh my God, something has dramatically changed. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm open. Something is completely open now. Something has been completely unlocked. That wasn't that way. That was, and then that never happened again. Like soon after that, you know, I brought, I brought Derek. He actually, went our first time that we met was with Tenzin. Like I, I had met him through um, astrology. He contacted me to do an astrology session. And then I was like, he actually lives in my same small town and I was like, why don't you come meet Tenzin? I think you'll really like him and whatever. So he had met Tenzin. I brought him out again to, will you come, you know, come watch me ride. And we're working on these different things. And he came and that was the day where it was like, just clear to both Derek and I that Tenzin's like, I'm done now. I'm not, I don't want to ride anymore. I've done my, I've done my duty. I've shown you what, what I need to show you. And I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, which was difficult. It was a difficult moment. Um, I was crying again, you know. <laughs> I mean, those of us like really love horses. It's a lot of crying, you know. I <laughs> I now have a 10-year-old stepdaughter and I she started riding lessons and the other day we're driving home from the lesson and she was crying and I was like, "Welcome to horses." <laughs> this is your first initiation, you know, yeah. horses haven't made you cry yet, then you haven't really even started, you know, but ultimately, you know, what Tenzin was saying was, okay, I've got you, I've gotten you where you needed to go. I got you from where you were. Now you're, you are safe. You know, you're with, you're with Derek, you're, you're open, you're in a state of love. Like you don't really need me anymore. And he also has a strong karmic history with Derek. They're old friends have been warriors together, know each other very well. And so now they are a team and they're deeply connected. So Tenzin's still in my life, but his primary person is Derek. So Tenzin took me through the, the transition and there were a lot of difficult times, you know? I mean, it was, um, there was the part that's like, a lot of people say, you know, my horse is always there for me. Every time I would go see Tenzin, he comes running, calling, you know, right up to me every time, no matter what's going on. And that feeling of unconditional love and support, I needed because there were so many times where I just felt like I don't have, I have no one to go to. And the pattern with my ex-husband was he would um, leave, you know, just abandonment, like, as a tool basically. So, you know, he'd leave and then he would say the marriage is over, leave for various lengths of time. You know, sometimes it would be two weeks. One time it was five months, you know, like wow. just not really ever knowing. And, and it went on pretty consistently like that for about, I don't know, 13 years, 12 or 13 years. So he'd leave or, or it would just be like, um, you know, these cycles of, of some kind of fight or confrontation. And then he wouldn't speak to me. So then he would just like disappear, you know, be gone every day until dark. I wouldn't know where he was, wouldn't speak to me, wouldn't communicate with me for a length of time. And then during that time, I would go to the barn, you know, 
because I would never know what's happening. What, you know, what I thought was the reality would change so suddenly that I didn't have an opportunity to make plans or like have, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So then the barn was just there. I could just go, you know, I could go anytime. I could go see Tenzin and he was there. So he, he was that. And he was also difficult, you know, I mean, he was also, um, you know, I, I really encouraged him to, I want to hear you. I want you to express yourself. When I met him, he was five years old off the track and was like pretty, you know, um, I don't know what you would say. It was like, he wasn't really shut down, but he was diminished. Mm-hmm. Like his light and his energy, it, it just, it was there, but it wasn't like it is. And his power wasn't there. And he was like getting bullied by other horses and he got kicked in the face once and had really serious things happen. I had to deal with. Um, and then within a few years of my encouraging and giving him a voice and listening to him, he started to become this like incredible dragon warrior where he became, he's now the leader of the group of geldings that he's in and he's majestic and has this power and authority, but it was difficult. I don't know exactly what it was. He he was acting aggressive. He bit me a few times. He was just really like hard handle and just wild and, and scary. And I wasn't riding during that time because I couldn't. And I started doing um, working on the ground. I, I've always done Liberty stuff, but I started using a protected, what's it called? Protected contact. So I would put up poles in a circle around me. And then I'd stand in the middle and I was working with um, positive reinforcement. So clicker training and stuff. And that was the only way I could interact with them was like with this barrier around me. And then I'd let him go free and do whatever he wanted to do. And that was what we did for like a whole winter. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, now looking back, you know, I don't know, was he mirroring what's going on in my marriage? Partly, probably, you know, was he trying to show me you're being treated badly and you need to do something? Um, Maybe partly. He might have also been in some way pushing, pushing me back into more of a middle space because I had gone from the old way of doing horses, control dominance, you know, to the other end of... Oh God, I don't want to offend my horse. I don't want to ask him to do anything he doesn't want to do. Let's just, you know, you do, you tell me what you want to do, Tenson, and we'll only do what you want to do. You know, so then I'm like erased. Who am I? I'm not even in it. It's just him. I'm his servant, you know, yeah. just showing yeah. up to feed him. And so I wonder now if he had maybe been trying to, you know, tell me, like, you need to also be a person. You're the Aries Libra. You're you're gone. To, you've gone to Libra. You're too, you know, th- this whole thing of being too scared to be ourselves with our horses because we don't want to damage them. We don't want to hurt them. You know, I mean, I think there's this good, there's a good trend in that, like you ta- have talked about. There's this consciousness. There's this trying to be more aware, but it can just kind of go like, one side to the other side where now you're afraid to do anything. I was, you know, I didn't know what to do. I was like, Oh, everything I know is wrong, but I don't know how to do this in a different way. He might've been showing me through that, that 
it's also not the right answer to just be a nobody that, you know, what, what he wanted was be you, I'll be me. Let's both just be ourselves and be authentic and, you know, exactly see what's going on. So when I was trying to be too just permissive, or I don't know what the word would be, but just going so far being afraid of dominance and control that I didn't even ask for anything then I lost something that was important. I mean, I lost me in that relationship. Then where am I? You know, I think the the interesting thing, the reason I said all that about like, I have a degree in women's studies. I did this, I did that was because I don't think anybody would think I'm an Aries rising, you know, I'm, I'm not a doormat type woman. It's not like you would meet me and just think, oh, you know, this woman is being abused clearly, you know, like it wasn't how I came across. I, I kept things together and I have a South node in Capricorn. So I'm very good at just hide your emotions, keep going, keep working, survive. You know, that's what I know how to do. And that's what I did. But it, you know, I think it's just important. That was one thing I was thinking about. What would I say you know, to other women, um, especially younger women, mm-hmm. that it, it's confusing because I knew, you know, I was constantly fighting. I'd fight back verbally and trying to constantly do all these different things with my boundaries. And I was, you know, spent 10 years in a recovery program for codependence. And I I did go to therapy a couple different times. It just didn't stick. It, it wasn't the right thing for me. I did all these years of meditation practice. You know, I, I did all kinds of things. I worked with all sorts of healers and um, coaches and lots of stuff like that. It was all necessary, but, you know, it was also like propping it up, like making it so that I could keep going when what I really needed to do was not keep going because it's, it it was too much, you know? Yeah. It was, it was too much. It was, it was damaging and, and cutting down my ability to just bring my full light into the world, you know? Hmm. So I think that it's important to know that abuse doesn't look the same for everyone you know, and it mostly wasn't physical, although it did become that towards the end, which was part of what finally pushed me to realize like, oh my God, I could actually die. That is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. That's unacceptable. I feel very strongly that I had a previous, and it's in my chart, I had a previous lifetime with an abusive husband who likely murdered me. So I had to come back and go again, how I didn't get out last time. So how will I get out? And it took me 20 years, but I made it. Yes, you did. And, you know, when I hear you say it took you 20 years, there is the first thing that popped into my mind is, and this is, you know, questionable, but like, it doesn't matter. Like it took you 20 years And now we're having this conversation and you're telling me about it from a completely different perspective when you're out of it. Yeah. That point, being able to transition your entire world 
from what you were in to where you are now, regardless of time, is it's like the fact that you're able to sit here and have this conversation from a place of this is what happened in my world and this is what I did about it is huge. You know, and it's such a on so many levels, like the what I was thinking when you were thank you by the way so much for sharing that. Everything that you did. And I, I always feel this when I talk to you. I mean, since we reconnected and I heard what you had been going through, you know, it was interesting as a receiver of that information because I was like, yeah, I didn't know. And like you said, that, you know, the ability, not especially as women, I think I'm just getting used to saying that, but, you know, I, I, <laughs> I know more women who have been in abusive situations than I know men. So yeah. um, we are geared to survive. Like we have to survive. There is just something on a very like multi-layered level in our system that says you you have to do whatever you have to do to survive, whether that's because we are mothers, or, or, I don't know, but I know that that happens. And there can be death happening underneath that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the world won't know. And that I find can be probably one of the loneliest and scariest things when it's like the world that sees you is it because the world, the way that we're showing ourselves to the world, including our friends and our loved ones and those who we know we say are close to us, we're not showing them that piece because we are still not sitting in that fire in the way that requires so much courage, which is what we spoke about last time when I asked you and Derek, you know, what does it take? And you're both of you is courage. And um, when I look at and I think about your path, and I and I remember that conversation you and I had. That's what I thought. I was like, "Wow, that's that's fucking brave. Like that's huge." And I can feel the immensity of it. And I want to ask you, why did you get Tenzin? As in originally, like before, what was that? Yeah, like why Tenzin or why get a horse or no? Yeah, why get a horse? What was that? Because what I'm interested in are these like these potentially like transitional and I'm doing air quotes, like periods of time that when we're in a certain situation, sometimes we don't know that we're in them. It doesn't feel as like magnanimous. It's like when we're like, whoa, my whole life is changing because I made this crazy, huge decision. But there is something happening within us. There's a transition happening. And, you know, before you met Derek, there would have been a transition happening, obviously, so that that could happen. And I'm kind of interested in those points on your path. Like, why? Why? Because obviously you didn't have Tenzin for a long time. And then you got him in 2019. So why did you end up getting a horse? Yeah, it was 2018. Oh, 18. I started riding again. So I rode as a child. I took riding lessons from, I think I was six when I started to about 12 years old. Then my parents got divorced. My mom left and my mom was the horse person. You know, she had grown up with riding as well, you know, not having her own horse, but riding got me into lessons. And then when my mom left, my lessons just went away. My dad didn't continue to to take me or, you know, make it possible for me to do that. So I lost my connection to horses. And then in 2010, so I got married in 2003. In 2010 was the first occasion. I mean, there was this pattern, there was always the same cycle in that marriage from the beginning. But 2010 was the first time when he actually left the house. You know, he would do this cycle of like, things are over. I'm not speaking to you. Sometimes 
because he'd sleep in the room, whatever, you know. But 2010, he actually left the house and uh, left me, you know, alone. That week, I like continue to go to work every day and just you know do do what I was doing, do all of my things. And for some reason, like one of the days that week, I just was sitting, I remember sitting at my desk, I was a grant writer in a nonprofit. And I just had this thought, I should go take a writing lesson. Like I can do whatever I want right now. I could actually do, you know, I have freedom. I, I should go do that. So I got on the internet. I found the first place I could find that offered English style writing. I didn't even know all the different things. All I remember, you know, I did dressage and hunter jumpers when I was a kid, but I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was English. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go take an English, English writing lesson. I went to the first place I found and I scheduled it. And then I went, you know, while he was gone and it was just pure intuitive guidance. Maybe mm -hmm. one of the first occasions I can recall of actually hearing that kind of guidance. And I was there and went to get the horse and it was a mare. It was a thoroughbred mare that they put me on. Her name was Stormy. And I went into, you know, the arena and I remember just walking around. They were like, okay, well, what do you know how to do? You know, show us what you know how to do, walk, track, can or whatever. And I remember, I think I was trotting and going to trot, start posting. And my whole body is telling me exactly what to do. I remember, you know, it's been, I mean, I was, it was my Saturn return. It was my first Saturn return. I was like 28. And so it had been, you know, what is that? Like 16 years since I had been on a horse. So it just clicked right back in and I could feel it. And I remember the distinct thought, I have to do this. How have I not been doing this? I have to do this. This is, I I have to do this. Yeah. And then going back, tell, you know, my ex-husband and I end up reconciling and I told him, you know, I did this. I went to, I went, had a writing lesson and I'm going to do this. And, you know, multiple rounds of arguments about, well, how are we going to afford that? And we only have one car. We had one car we were sharing, living in the city how, you know, you're gonna have to take a car to drive all the way out to the country to take these lessons. And that's going to be a problem. And what about this, you know, and that pattern of fighting about it continued all the way up to the end, really, of mm -hmm. fighting about horses, you know, my time, money, attention, you know, going to horses, but I knew, and I, I had this clear feeling of, I have to do this no matter what. And I did. Like from that moment to now, I've had no break, significant breaks other than like being ill, you know, where I wasn't with horses at some, you know, at least once a week riding or being, you know, so I started with lessons. I had no money. I worked in nonprofits. I didn't make shit, you know, money. My ex-husband couldn't keep a job. So he was like almost always unemployed or not working, not contributing. So I was doing it all myself. It was, it was very difficult. Like I, when I started, it was like, I had to pull together $40 a month for one lesson. That was a stretch. And then to argue with him about using the car and have to go through, you know, every single time I wanted to go. And I just kept doing it because I knew the horses, it was my soul. Yeah. And it was the, the only way I was going to survive, you know, like I have to have this or I'm not going to make it. So I did it. And then, you know, over time, it's like I took lessons, then I started leasing horses and that was good, but I could feel that 
I wasn't able to do it fully. You know, I wasn't able to, I wanted the, the relationship with the horse. I wanted the connection with the horse and you just can't get that in the same way when it's somebody else's horse and, you know, yeah, they're doing things their way and you, you know, you can do all you want to do it a different way, but yeah, it's temporary. It, it yeah. becomes, it becomes like a, you know, it's like when you're driving and you're in a car and you're looking out the window and you see a beautiful view and then it's gone. It's like, you yeah. know, very transitory. It's like there and then it's not there and then it's there. And then it's kind of like what you were going through already, which was he's here, he's not here. I'm alone. I'm not alone. We're, we're making up. We're not making yeah. up. Like the massive push and pull of that already in your life. I'm not surprised you wanted something consistent, yeah. especially like that was bringing you back home to you. That's why I keep hearing like horses bring us back to ourselves. It, it, it's like, I could probably talk to every horse person on the planet. And in some way they would say that regardless of how aware they are or not, there is, that's what they do. And that's what we were saying at the beginning about the present moment. And um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I was leasing horses and then I just eventually got so frustrated with it. And I was just like, I have to have a horse. I have to get my own horse. And then that was another round of fights basically with my husband. Finally, he, you know, gave in and said, okay, get the horse. And then Tenzin appeared, you know, in <laughs> those unplanned ways. Like I'd gone to look at a different horse and they were like, oh, we sold that horse, but we have this horse. And it was Tenzin. And I ended up having two horses that I was looking at and comparing that were very similar outwardly and ended up picking Tenzin. Now I know Tenzin, because of his karmic connection to Derek, yeah. was coming in, like you were saying, like to prepare and open up this other whole portal of like, your next life is coming. And I'm part of that. So, you know, we got to get ready. <laughs> I don't know what you've been doing, but this yeah. is, you know, something's on its way. And yeah. at that point, you know, I had moved, interestingly, I had moved, just moved to this small town in Wisconsin where Derek was living. Yeah, that's crazy. Right when I got Tenson. Yeah. And we had it met, you know, it took us five years to find each other in this, in this small town of, you know, 5,000 people or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I just want to say it's like, when I hear you talk about that I just, that I think that's going to stick with me forever. The way that you express that, you know, you went to ride, you had the intuitive hit, you answered the call. Literally, it was like the universe was like ring, ring, ring. <laughs> like it's Katana present, yeah. and um, you went, you rode, you know, you, I mean, you knew, and you still know, like this is for you. You know, horses calling you home. You use the word soul, like coming back to your soul. And when we know something is is a soul expression, you you can't not do it you can but again it's like the difference between living and really living mm -hmm. and so I feel like I really want to verbally acknowledge to you even though I'm sure you know this but when someone says it to you I just feel like it's it's really important for you to hear I want to say that that whole cycle and that whole like period of time that you went through of saying like I'm going to do this anyway it doesn't matter whether, whether we're arguing like very Aries like and very Thunderbolt energy which I know is obviously Vajra like one of the meanings for the name is Thunderbolt so um, Vajra is one of Katana's horses so it's a testament to you that you did that through your marriage as well that you did take action in a situation that was devastating you know you you did you you know whether it was the buddhist practice or going to healers or everything that you just mentioned when you were saying that you did those things you know the feeling that i got is like that's such a testament to you because we can do nothing mm -hmm. very easy 
it was not. But, you know, it's yeah. an option. We can do nothing. Yeah. And that's a whole other story. And that's a whole other way of experiencing life and abuse and these situations that we need to go through to learn and come out the other side of, ideally. But you took action and it sounds like you took it consistently. And so, you know, that I feel that that just really needs to be acknowledged. And I keep just seeing your Aries energy, like that Aries rising. Just like, yeah, well, I, I am going to do something. And yet at the same time, I guess now the question that's coming is, do, have you found that that ability that you have to take a step and to do the thing and to take the action that, you know, you just want to do something to contribute to the situation. Has that changed in quality in any way since you've been with Derek? Because the container that you have with Derek is, you know, you talk about it on your podcast. I've had a conversation with you both. I, f- I feel it is this kind of boundless love, like almost like a wild love that doesn't want any definition. And it's just like, well, I exist and I'm here and you can't find me or put me in any kind of like shape. And it just wants to move through you through both of you into each other and around each other. And so, yeah, that's my question. Has the quality of the way that you show up shifted? I mean, it must have done because you're not yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has. Like, can you talk about that? Yeah. Because it's obviously it's two very different ends of the spectrum where you were going through the dark, that like shadow, the karma, yeah. the abuse. And it, I can only imagine being in a super extremely lonely place of when somebody abandons you or you have is you and trying to find a reason for why that happened. And to then where you are now in this container with this beautiful union that you've created and let in. And so everything about the way you express yourself must be changing. But can you just talk about that? Because otherwise I'll keep talking about it. Yeah, well, I'll talk about it. I'll lead into it by talking about Vajra. You know, Vajra is my mayor. Um, and she, so the story was kind of, we left off where I brought Derek to come see me ride with Tenzin. And Tenzin was basically like, no, I, I don't want to do it. And Derek helped me see, you know, he is just naturally able to communicate energetically with everyone. And so he could feel what was coming from Tenzin. So he helped translate that or help me understand what was happening with Tenzin and, and how he was expressing like, okay, this, this chapter is closed. And then at that moment, there was also this opening of like, uh, there had been a feeling of a horse waiting in the wings. Like there's another horse coming. Um, and I, I knew that and I knew as a mare and I, you know, I'd felt this strong connection to mares. I've wanted a mare for a long time. So I knew there was this other horse eventually that would come. And then it was that that moment with Tenzin kind of saying like, I'm stepping down. You have another horse you have to go get. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right. And I think it was that day, like we put Tenzin back out in his pasture and I went in and told the barn owner there who's a friend of mine has been very supportive and, um, you know, as a lifelong horsewoman. And I went to her and said, I'm looking for a mare and I'm going to keep Tenzin. He's here. You know, we're bonded for life and him and Derek are best friends. So he's going to stay. I need, I need help. I'm looking for a mare. So can you put the word out? You know, I wanted another, I, uh, Tenzin's off the track. He's an off the track thoroughbred. I love thoroughbreds. So I was like, I want another off the track thoroughbred. Um, but I'm open to whatever. 
she was like, yeah, great. That sounds good. I'll, I'll put out the word to a couple of people. She formerly bred thoroughbreds for racing. The facility where Tenzin lives is now a boarding facility, but it was built as a breeding place for thoroughbreds. So the boarding facility was a breeding facility for thoroughbreds. So the owner is connected and she still has a, I think she's got three fillies still on the track. Um, and they all actually, they all came out of one mare, a brood mare that they had named Rocky, who I really connected with and had a strong experience with um, for a number of months, a couple of years ago. But anyways, I told her, I think I went home, started looking online at different rescue organizations and things like that. I think I messaged a couple other people I know saying I'm looking. Mm. And I don't know if it was one week, maybe two weeks later, we, oh, it was, so we did a fire ceremony, Derek and I, and my sister was visiting and we did a big fire ceremony. Um, it was on my ex-husband's birthday, which was also our wedding, our marriage anniversary. We didn't have a wedding actually. Do you want to just explain for anyone who doesn't know what a fire ceremony is just quickly? Yeah. I mean, we made it up. It's not, you know, yeah. Derek likes to build fires. He's excellent at it. So. We made a fire. I wrote some things about what I wanted to release and what I wanted to seed for the future and kind of, you know, plant. And I had a bunch of old papers and letters and, you know, all that kind of stuff, journals. So we just went out. I read what I had written. I think the two of them might have said a few things as well, burned all the stuff. And that was pretty much it. You know, it's just a shared intention and a, um, a marking of uh, a particular date where we wanted to change the energy. Yeah. Went back in the house and I picked up my phone and I had a message from the barn owner saying, my trainer, the woman who trains, or uh, the man who trains her horses that race, the mm -hmm. trainer just messaged me. He's got a mare that they don't want to race anymore. And they will, they're looking for a new home. They'll give her to the right home. And I was like, immediately do. This is my <laughs> Yeah. And she sent me a couple little videos of, you know, Vajra, like, run, you know, cantering down the track and training. And then I said, can you send me her race name, or, you know, her registered name? Because as an astrologer, what I do is immediately go look up the birth date so I can look at the chart. I go look at the chart and that date, which was my ex-husband's birthday and the anniversary it's her birthday. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was her fourth birthday that I got the message that she's, you know, she's available and that she's got that same birth date. So then I pulled her chart and our nodes, like her South node is less than one degree away from my South node, which means there's this karmic history of a strong karmic past. Um, and then there's a few other things that align in, in particular ways, just showing that we've got a strong connection and I just wrote back to Deb, the woman that, that gave me that. And I said, this is my horse. So you can just tell him, you know, I want, I want this horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. And she was like, okay, well, here's his number, but you know, make sure you think it over and you want to make sure, you know, this is a four-year-old thoroughbred. Is that what you want? And you just make sure you're doing, you know, being a good, you know, horse mom. Yeah. But I knew, I just knew. So then I talked to. 
I talked to her owner, who's this old guy in Arkansas, a really nice guy. She had had some knee thing. The knee was sore or whatever. They didn't want to race her anymore. I also instantly knew there's nothing wrong with her knee. You know, she just, it's time for her to come to me. That's all. So she can't race anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, we went, Derek and I drove, she was in Kentucky. We drove to Kentucky and went to see her where she was. And we spent about an hour with her. I went out to the pasture. She was with her mom. They had put her back with her mom. She had been out in this beautiful, like 30 acre pasture with her mom for like six months. Nice. Um, yeah. Barefoot, you know, just hanging out. And I'd been telling her I'm coming, I'm coming. And when I come out, I'm going to kneel down like close to the ground and I'll wait for you. And that's how you'll know it's me. So I came out and I did, you know, I started walking out and then I just kneeled down and she just came walking right up like, oh, hi, it's good to see you. And followed me all the way into the gate without a halter. The guy that, you know, owns a farm came out and saw that happening. And he was like, well, you gotta love that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, this is my horse. What can I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I stopped and spent some time with her mother you know, I do this, I do a form of energy work where I uh, just kind of tune into trapped emotions in the body and then help release them. I use tapping and um, just help release energy that's trapped and emotions that are trapped. And through that process with her, just kind of gathered the feelings of what she was sharing. Of course, she was sad, but she was also very, very clear about, you need, this is, I want you to take this this horse, this is my baby. You, you have to take her. And I was like, all right, I I feel, you know, I'm being called. This is, this horse just showed up, you know, they're going to give her to me. That just doesn't really happen. So I accepted, you know, I left there. We spent an hour with her and I had told the owner, let me just meet her. And then I'll let you know. And I called from the car and said, all right, I'm, an, I'm taking her, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to arrange to have her sent to Minnesota and he was happy. And then I just started crying in the car. Like I was so overwhelmed, you know, by the gift of it. And yeah. also by the support of Derek, you know, just being like, yeah, I'll drive to Kentucky, you know, it's a 12 hour drive. Like, yeah, sure. Let's go. Yeah. You got to get this horse. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, Like just so supportive so much so that like I was in the car and I was like okay uh, you know should I call what do you think and he was like yeah what what do you mean yeah call <laughs> what yeah. are you waiting for and I was like really so you know it's just been it's been a, a beautiful gift you know but that came through once all the energy had changed so that's the answer to your question have I changed how I relate yes 100 percent. and I think a big part of that is like going into the feminine, you know? Yes. Well, that's exactly where I wanted to go and what I wanted to ask you. So I'm so glad you just mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, I've got the astrological symbolism, South Node and Capricorn. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. You know, it's very masculine energy and, and, and Aries rising can be masculine. You know, this energy of work, get it done. Um, solitude. You can only count on yourself. You've got to do everything like, do things, make things happen, et cetera. Uh, and then that, that puts my North node in cancer, which is mothering and nurturing and healing and this watery, you know, yin energy. 
which I was so unfamiliar with because I wasn't able to. I mean, you just you can't you can't go into that if there's no one to do the masculine side. Totally. And one thing I just really want to like ground down at this point is you cannot we collectively, not just women, can only go into the feminine when there's safety. Yes. Like if you're not safe, it's impossible. It just, you might want it to happen and yearn for it and like desire it in your being. Yes. But ultimately the energetics of the feminine bloom in safety. And so the fact that Vajra came in as just like the whole thing, like the story of like you being in the car with Derek and him being like, what do you mean? Obviously you're just like, yes, cool. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, and saying like, yeah, he'll drive you to Kentucky. Like the whole, the constellation of it's so beautiful. Like, you know, coming out of an, of an unsafe, like inconsistent environment in your life for 20 years to then come into and very quickly as well, yes. like one thing just happened after the other, you know, um, and I have chills just saying that, like the coming into that container in a way, it's not quite the right word, but like this energy of safety that you would have to know that you're in because your feminine was coming online and coming forward. And Vajra, I mean, I've seen, you sent me videos and pictures of her and I feel like she has a very feminine spirit. Like she's just, um, she's so young still but it doesn't matter like she, it's really kind of a bit, a bit in the same way that Tenzin's energy does it really comes out of her because it's allowed to you know it comes out of her heart and that's another very feminine quality is like when we when we're able to be in our feminine it's we're able to actually give off energy like that because we're safe to yes. so I just, I just wanted to, <laughs> to check that so yeah. it makes complete sense that you know that was this is part it's included in the shift in your life is this the feminine imprint coming in and like you know you're bringing the information about your chart but then ultimately the other side to all of that is you have that masculine in your chart and in a way I guess internally do you feel like that could also support the feminine within you coming forward like in that with that cancerian energy and with Vajra and your whole being in union now you know you don't need to be in your masculine or or kind of tap into those like the Aries and the Capricorn energy as much because you have the masculine in your life aka Derek and Tenzin to support you so you can lean into like the cancerian and whatever other you know yeah energies yeah i mean that's exactly right and i think you know i mean i still have i also have venus in capricorn so i still have capricorn energy but there are different there's different energies within the archetype you know there there's a range of energies there's a like a low side and a high side to put it simply you know so the capricorn energy of work and responsibility and and showing up and being accountable you know i still have all those things i'm still that way as a partner but Mm -hmm. i'm also yeah it's completely that i mean it's it's fully um dependent on the masculine being filled to to Mm -hmm. be able to step down and i mean there's just been so many occasions of that literally metaphorically every other way of having a, a protector and someone who's comfortable taking this full the masculine energy of like you're i you're, you're safe fully mm-hmm. in every mm-hmm. way on every level that then allows you to fall apart 
first and then come back together and, and heal. And the same thing, I mean, at the same time, I've also become a mother, which is like, whoa, I didn't expect that. But yeah. talk about feminine energy and, you know, the situation, I mean, you know, but Derek's first wife died of cancer. So, you know, Celia has, um, you know, she doesn't have a, a mother, living mother. So I've stepped in now and it's taken me some time to accept, you know, to come fully into that. But I am starting to realize like I'm, I'm a mother now. So mm-hmm. now I'm nurturing and doing feminine in a totally different way. And thank God for, for being able to be in the feminine. Cause otherwise I'd be mothering like my mother, which was not very nurturing. It was pretty hard ass. Like my mom was not um, able to be vulnerable. She wasn't able to express any kind of tenderness or even much affection really. So mm-hmm. I don't have to be like, I don't have to be like that. I don't have to be that mother. First of all, I was thinking about like the the tie-in with like how you've gone from studying women's studies. And, you know, you said at the beginning, like I'm a feminist and then, <laughs> and the shadow side, I please correct me if I'm not right, but what I've experienced is the shadow side of the feminist within all of us today is that we don't need men and the you know pushing men aside in the sense because we feel ultimately wounded and I can completely you know I resonate with that a lot and I have felt that a lot but now I'm seeing things starting to see things differently and I love how your journey's gone from like oh I studied women's studies to you know going through an abusive marriage to coming out the other side of that with the courage that it takes to do that and opening that it takes to do that. And we can only open like we, as women, like physically, emotionally, everything when we feel safe. So there was an element of like on your path that was happening in order to let Tenzin and then Derek and now Vajra and Derek's daughter in. And then like going through that whole process to now, I love hearing you say, yeah, you know, how amazing it feels for you to have the masculine support because so many women who would say that they're feminists might not say the same thing. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't even know if I'd say I'm a feminist anymore, but I, I did say that. I, I think that, you know, what does it mean? I mean, that's a whole, we have to do another podcast on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, it, it is what you said. It, it's become that, that we talked about that in our podcast, the one is called the spiritual path of a union that Derek and I recorded is similar of like what happens when single motherhood becomes this is great. This is empowered women. You know, Mm. what happens to the children? What happens to the the mother? What, how does that model actually work? And from both of our experiences, it doesn't. So, yeah, I mean, I think it is like, what does it mean to be uh, a woman, you know, to go fully into being woman? To me, it's much more possible to be that with the man that's ready and willing to be fully a man <laughs> you know yeah. i mean this is i'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to argue with what i'm saying but this is my experience and i'm not coming at it without uh awareness and a lot of reflection and for me it feels great to have that masculine you know the protector the provider the supporter the end and also nurturer you know men have their own nurturing energy and then the masculine is nurturing in a way that the feminine isn't as well yeah it's a giving kind of nurturing you know rather than the receiving kind so yeah i mean it's 
it's a beautiful thing when it happens. And I, I, I hope that for women to just know that it's not, not strong to want to be taken care of and loved and protected and all of those things. That's that, that is how we can be the strongest. I mean, I'm not as strong as Derek. He can do 30 pull-ups. I can't even do one, you know, <laughs> like it's just a fact. He's much stronger than I am. He was in the infantry. He knows how to use weapons. I don't know how to do this stuff, you know? Like yeah, I'm yeah. glad he knows how to do those things. I don't have to worry about it, you know? I just am not, I'm not built that way. Why fight it, you know? Mm. And that's, like, there's there's this piece that's coming to mind of like, first of all, I want to say, you know, I love the fact that you said there might be people who question what you're saying, but ultimately all we can do is share our experiences because yeah. that's our truth. And our truth is linked in with the way that we love. So it's like, ultimately, all we can do is share what we're going through in our experience of life right now as it is. And that's always going to be changing anyway. So um, the other thing is that I'm seeing these parallels in what you're saying, uh, in, uh, coming back again, in a way, full circle to the herd in terms of, you know, horses are slightly different because they're non-predatory animals. So then there's this piece of, you know, horses. And I, I spoke about this on another podcast with um Angela from Equine Elevation, and we were talking about safety and how this parallel between, you know, humans in today's day and age, we live in an unsafe world, basically, the majority of the majority of the world for most people, whether we're aware of it or not. And horses, I, you know, to personify it, one of their main questions would be, am I safe? If I'm safe, it, you know, okay, I'm okay. There, there's a just very instinctive, primitive way of putting it. And so I would say there's a bit of a nuance there between, you know, feeling completely safe in the arms of a very masculine man who's in his, you know, thriving in his healthy masculine and what that does for us as women. And yet at the same time in her dynamics, it is a container of masculine and feminine energy. It is like this constant dance and flow between intuition and sensitivity and giving and receiving and looking to somebody to lead and then someone and then, and then follow and then there's just like this constant weaving of the two energies and um it just really reminded me of that and when I look at my herd that's what I see and I I, mean, I could be totally projecting this but the the boys the the masculine embodiment in the herd I have two geldings Toby and Florenzo and the way that the mares are around them, the way their energy shifts is different to when the mares are on their own. Like it's just, it just is, it can't not be. And so it's, I haven't quite found a way to properly express that yet, but it's, there's something there that happens. And it's just, again, a reflection of honoring it. This is about coming back to a space of honoring of the feminine and the masculine and recognizing that we do need each other because we exist together. Again, like there's no, there is a separation because it's within you too, but we need each other. Otherwise we wouldn't build this planet together, you know? And then the other thing I wanted to say was about equality. Going off on a bit of a tangent here, but I don't want to be equal to a man. I want to be a woman. Right. That's what exactly. comes up in my mind exactly. a lot of the time yeah. when I hear some people say that. I'm like, I don't, I like, I'm a strong woman, you know, and I've done a, everything I've done, I've done quote on my own and I have Mars and Aries and that tends to really rule my life sometimes and 
I don't want to be a man. Like I want to be a woman and I want to know what that feels like and experience that having been so masculine and felt so manly as well in this whole like independent energy. And to just, you know, summarize what that brings up for me is this, the herd, the union, the partnership and, you know, your story of going through two very different, you know, in what you've shared, you know, it's very different expressions of partnership and how, yeah, they are like these two pillars of experience that you have been again willing in this life to actually move between. I mean, it's just huge. Like maybe some people to one lifetime would go through one and then like, depending on what you believe, come back and then maybe be ready for the other one. But you've just like signed up for this huge spectrum shift. And um, I know you said on one of your podcasts that a lot of that is also written in your chart, having so much in the seventh and the eighth house. And how what I found interesting was how you expressed that the seventh house is about marriage and partnership. Is that right? And then the eighth, eighth house is about union and how you went through marriage, which was traumatizing in a, in a, you know, yes, you moved through it and you as a soul, you would have learned a lot and evolved, but that aside, it was, you know, it was abusive. And then to come out the other side into union and partnership at the same time, like it just was so interesting to me when I heard you say that, how these things map out in this way that is so divinely connected and orchestrated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about that for hours, but yeah. Yeah. And um, we probably do need to wrap up as well soon. But uh, is there anything else that you want to share? I mean, the only other thing I thought of when you were talking about that was just that thing about horses. Horses have no shame about being dependent on the herd. You know, they are not trying to be independent. And anytime you see a horse by itself, you should be alarmed and feeling bad <laughs> because that horse should not be living by itself ever. Yeah. And we know that about horses, but they model that so well to us of this connection and 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 interdependence. You know, we, we joke a lot about codependence and just being like, I'm fully codependent and I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> you know, I'm dependent on Derek. He's dependent on me. That's how a real partnership is. You depend on each other and you can depend on each other. And that is how you get the safety. That is how you get the, you know, all these things that, that they get in a herd. That's how one, one horse can sleep and the other one is keeping watch. That's how they stay safe. That's how they take care of their nervous systems. That's how they take care of their bodies by being in union. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think that that's an idea, this whole idea that's come through the the zeitgeist of independence and this and that. It's like, that's, it's time for that to go. It's It's not true. Humans are dependent on other humans that's the end of the story. <laughs> you know, I mean, no matter how you live, you live alone, you're still dependent on so many other people. And it's also a basic Buddhist principle as well of the interconnection of all beings that you have food who, who grew the food that you're eating, who made those clothes that you're wearing? Where did that bookshelf behind you with the, you know, who wrote all those books? Yeah, I mean, these, these people are all supporting you, not to mention all the invisible beings and the animal spirits and uh, the whole unseen realm that's also supporting us all the time 
we're not alone. We're never alone and we can feel terribly alone. And I spend a lot of time feeling that way, but it's not true ultimately. And to just kind of let go of this whole idea of we're supposed to not need each other. It's bullshit. <laughs> and the horses will show you. Mm. I mean, Vajra, Vajra is a different horse when Tenzin and Derek are around, you know, she is calm. She's perfectly willing to do anything. I mean, she's pretty good by herself, but she doesn't want to go walk out onto a trail. She's not going to do that by herself. You know, she'll, she'll follow the two of them anywhere with no issue, but she doesn't want to do that without them. And we've been, you know, bringing them together. They don't live in the same pasture because of the way this facility is set up, but the other day, you know, she's got some swelling going on in her fetlock and I was treating it with some witch hazel and Tenzin was getting antsy. So Derek took Tenzin on a little stroll, like around the barn. And as soon as they went out of sight, Vajra started calling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize, you know. And so then he came back in and he was like, was that Vajra calling? And I said, yeah, because she doesn't want you guys to leave. You got to stay here. <laughs> you know. So what's wrong with that? You know? Vajra's not like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I should be more independent. I don't, I don't really need, I don't, I don't really need you guys. I'm, I'm okay on my own. I'm a strong woman. You know, <laughs> she's not trying to do that. Yeah. Do you think that the loneliness piece, the feeling alone, even though it's not true, comes from some kind of unconscious belief that we, that we need to be like strong on our own? And I don't just mean when we get older, I mean, loneliness is felt from, you know, can be felt from day one. Yeah. Collect a collective unconscious belief. I would say loneliness comes from two things. You know, one is that it comes from separating, separating ourselves, you know, learning to separate ourselves and following the the ego um, energy of separating from everything you know we're we're not separate from anything but we have a habit of separating ourselves and you can see that really clearly you could see it really clearly with horses if you did the work to you know feel it Mm. i didn't see it fully in myself until i had this, this safe container as you've been saying you know with derek where there are moments where i could feel like, oh, I just would like, my my habit would be, I would like to pull back. I would like to just create a very subtle separation mm-hmm. where I feel like, oh, I'm in here and he's out there. And then our path and our practice together has been, we're not going to do that. So what do we do instead? You know, we have to come back to each other and be fully transparent. But we, are, I think as humans, we're separating ourselves all the time. And that's, you know, the ego, that's, that's the thing that every spiritual tradition talks about what you have to learn to get past so that you can connect with God, with whatever the language is, you know, you cannot connect through the ego. It's too separate, you know? And everybody does that in their own perfect way, which is so ironic as well. Like there's no, the for me, the ego is all about also some kind of right definition to feel and but there's no right way either to transcend it or to move past it no i mean there's a lot of there's different paths to do it 
the, the, the fact or the common thing is that it has to be done or you will come back to loneliness, you know. And then the loneliness is just reinforced so much by other people, you know, being mistreated by other people, being misunderstood by other people being. Yeah, I think it's reinforced by other people being lonely as well. It's not just lonely, yeah. but being yeah. hurt and yeah. not knowing how to express that hurt. And so expressing it in a way that the only way that they know at that time to do it. And that in turn passes on that hurt to someone else if that other person is in the ego, which is interesting when you think about it. <laughs> um, I always remember I was bullied at primary school and I remember my, I had a nanny when I was young and I remember her saying to me, I was so upset. I would go home crying and she said, oh, it could have been my mom actually. Um, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And yes, we all know that, that that sentence is kind of thrown around quite a lot in conscious personal development crowds, or whatever, but it's, you know, it's true. It's true. And I, I think that it's, there's a lot of compassion to be had for that truth. And compassion is the thing that breaks through the illusion of that being separate from you as well, which is so interesting. Um, I do have one more question. So circling back a bit to when you're in your marriage, and your husband would leave. What came to my mind when you shared that was, you know, like when someone leaves, like I mentioned, we can often fill that space with a million different things, like reasons why they left, reasons why it could be our fault. You know, just name it, like one thing after the other, the mind can go crazy because there's a state of fear, you know. And what was your experience of that? Like, what did you do in those moments? Did you have a way of like, finding something to do to help situation like would you go and meditate or would you you know what was that like for you because I feel like abandonment is something that has happened to so many of us in different ways and we abandon ourselves so often and hearing about people's experiences when they're when they're in that experience I think can be quite helpful yeah it's hard to answer because it was such a long period of time of repeated abandonment that I tried a lot of different things, you know. Um, but I think that there, the commonality was that often there would be an initial shock or an initial hit of trauma where I would go into old feelings, you know, abandonment, grief. It's the, you know, it's just one of the worst feelings. And that's because it is connected to we all need each other. So feeling abandoned is a survival threat. It, literally, you you can't make it without other humans. And so we have this deep reaction to that of I'm not going to survive. And, uh, you know, I, I could feel I would go through intense panic attacks, grief, anxiety, crying, you know, just like, ah, you know, and then over time, move out of it faster, you know, where I'd kind of like come back to myself and then I realized like, okay, I'm alone. Now, what am I doing? And then I did have things that I did consistently that I relied on to stay alive. You know, horses, I've always been a very physical person, you know, training in all different sports, hiking, connecting, you know, connecting however I could, connecting with nature, connecting with trees. I have dogs, you know, I always have my dogs. 
Um, and I would try to reach out to other people. It's not that I didn't tell anyone what was going on. I did tell some people, but it was hard to find anyone that could understand. And it was even harder to find anyone that could help. I mean, almost, I, I don't feel like there were, was much help for it because I think that the kind of help I needed was love. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I couldn't get, you know, I mean, that's, that's the help we all need. That's the only thing that heals. You know, all these other things can maybe help, but they can maybe make things worse. And, you know, if you go to a, a healer, it, I don't know, maybe, maybe it helps in some cases, but it might hurt actually if that person's not healed and they're not, you know, if it's a physical type therapy, they're not touching your body out of a place of love, you know, it can just make things worse. Or I think it just scares people so much when you're that vulnerable, you're that raw, that people don't want to really go into mm -hmm. it with you, you know. But but yeah, I mean that I made it. I'm I'm a survivor, but I don't recommend. I mean, I don't know. I I, I guess I don't know. I don't know what to say. You know, it's like on the one hand, yeah, I do. You gotta survive. You gotta survive so that you can get through and get to the point where you have the opportunity to experience love and it might be a little ways down the road you know thank god i made it to the point where i found derek i'm glad that i made it that long and how did i stay alive you know all of these various things and i did a lot of journaling i've been burning journals i'm almost done i think i've burned all my journals <laughs> i had boxes of journals because i just felt i had no one to talk to and i'm a writer and it was just a natural way for me to express myself. So I wrote almost every day. I did meditation. I would always be trying to call in different kinds of my mom. My mom died in 2013. So I'd often call on her to help me. But ultimately, none of those things really heal, heal the broken heart. They can keep you alive, which might be necessary for a while until you can fully heal. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I feel like you at the kind of at the beginning, you really touched on the essence of it, which is, you know, you would go through the the reaction and then you would you would come back to yourself. And that if you take that just coming back home and coming back to yourself, whatever that looks and feels like for each individual all of the other things around it that kept you alive, whether it was the writing or the exercise or horses, it's like the way I see it is like they're all arrows pointing inward to, to you, like coming back to you, like what can we do to come back to ourselves and horses bring us back to ourselves as we've already said. So it's, there's like this, yeah, I think, you know, trauma takes us out. It can take us out completely of our body and take us out of this, realm and this existence and this home that we've chosen to incarnate into and the remedy or the path is always back home whether it's on a micro level like journaling every day because it's the best way for you to express yourself or on a more macro scale where you're making huge shifts in your life like finding true love and letting that heal you so um thank you so much for sharing your story i just i could just talk to you for hours <laughs> yeah thank you so much for sharing your story and um for sharing your voice and just being brave enough 
to go through what you've been through and come out the other side with such a like soft, vulnerable, but discerning, clear way of expressing yourself so that we can all like honor that by listening to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That's that's the best gift we can give each other. Yeah. For anybody who wants to listen to Derek and Katana's podcast, I did mention this at the, begin- at the beginning. It's called Seeking Mount Parnassus. And is there anything else that you want to mention in terms of website? I mean, there's a link to our website in the podcast notes. And that's all we've got out there publicly. We we don't do social media deliberately. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they have they have a whole episode about that, which I recommend going. <laughs> but we can be we do have contact you know you can contact us through our website and we are happy to hear from people and Mm -hmm. are are open to that so if you listen to the podcast or listen to this and want to get in touch in some way you can go to the website and there's a contact us page there amazing and for everyone who's been tuning in and who's been here with us today thank you for listening